Good morning. morning. Welcome to St. Paul's. This is uh, our second Sunday in Lent. We're not usually in the habit of doing baptisms during Lent, but I figure the once-in-a-lifetime event in in these children's life is a little more important than something we do every year, so uh, we are celebrating baptism this morning. Liturgy in the church means the work of the people, which means that if you were not here, this liturgy would be different. So we appreciate you being here and helping us make this offering this morning. Our, Our service continues on page two of your bulletin. Bless the Lord who for thank you. <coughs> Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. There is one body and one spirit. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. You may be seated for the readings. A reading from Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in uh, you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. The word of the Lord. We will read Psalm 121 responsibly, whole verse by whole verse. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, and he who watches over you will not fall asleep. Behold, he who keeps watch over Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. So that the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. It is he who shall keep you safe. The Lord shall watch over your going out and your coming in, from this time forth forevermore. A reading from Romans. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to who works, now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, 
who gives the life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? <coughs> no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite movies is Steven Spielberg's 1991 film, Hook. For those of you unfamiliar with this absolute masterpiece, it tells the story of Peter Pan, played by the late, great Robin Williams. After Peter has grown up and become, God forbid, a lawyer, <laughs> Pan has forgotten... Pan has forgotten that he ever was the Neverland hero, and after Captain James Hook, played by Dustin Hoffman, has kidnapped his children and taken them hostage to Neverland, the adult Peter Pan must find his way back to Neverland in order to rescue his children. The resulting film is an absolute delight, taking us through Peter Pan's second shot at childhood. If you've not seen this film, it is your new Lenten discipline to watch it. <laughs> if you have seen it, watch it again. I mention the film because there is a particularly memorable scene where Peter joins the Lost Boys for a meal. He has had a particularly grueling day getting back in shape so that he might be ready to fight Captain Hook and rescue his children. The Lost Boys have put him through the gauntlet in their attempts to help him recover his identity as Peter Pan, so that evening he is famished, not unlike Jesus in the wilderness when Satan comes to tempt him. There is then a montage of sizzling pots. Has anybody seen this? You all, you all know what I'm describing. Raise your hand if you've seen this movie. Okay, the rest of you, your salvation's in jeopardy. <laughs> There's a montage of sizzling pots and pans, steaming plates, and the clanking of flatware. As they prepare for a dinner, Peter Pan is desperate to enjoy. However, when they open the lids 
to these presumably laden dishes. They are completely empty. The adult Peter Pan then watches as the lost boys enjoy what appears to be an invisible meal. As the lost boys enjoy their invisible burgers, casseroles, soups, and desserts, the envious Peter Pan looks on with a pained expression. They continue to invite him to share in the meal, and he continues to insist that the food is not real, is not even there, the memorable line being, Gandhi ate more than this. (laughs) To commit the sin of a mild spoiler, for those who have not seen this movie, in the last 32 years since its release, it is only after a food fight breaks out and Peter Pan joins in the childish destruction. Only then is he able to see the pots and pans, plates and bowls filled with a delicious feast. He must become a child again to see the feast in front of him. So I think this movie offers a beautiful picture of what Jesus is asking Nicodemus to do. The very thing Nicodemus does not seem to understand. He himself is an educated member of the religious ruling class, and he is certainly intelligent and respected enough to know that no one can be born again. But Jesus is inviting him to the second naivete, a second childhood that allows him to grow and to see the world anew and more vibrantly. This is a theme that crops up over and over again in the New Testament. Not only does Jesus use this kind of language with Nicodemus, Paul also talks about the foolishness of God being wiser than the wisdom of the world. And James talks about having wisdom from above rather than wisdom from below. We've been studying this latter reference in our Sunday school, and we've talked about how the wisdom from below seems to be conventional wisdom. And the wisdom from above feels deeply counterintuitive. It feels, again using St. Paul's words, like foolishness. Consider this passage we read just last week in our Sunday school class on James. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. If we are honest, not a single one of these aspects of the wisdom from above makes its way into the conventional wisdom of this age. And as I was preparing for the homily this week, it was actually the first line of the collect for this Sunday that pressed me in this direction. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, is a striking statement. And if we consider what it is actually saying, we might concede that mercy is hardly the first word that comes to mind when we think of such a grand thing as glory. It closely resembles the prayer from the old rite that says, We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property it is always to have mercy. In the span of three sentences, the prayer names and depends on the mercy of God three times. It is the property of God, the glory of God, and it is our admission into the communion with God. Mercy names the state of being whereby we deserve nothing and receive everything. Mercy is belonging without merit or right. Mercy is not a fair trial, but absolution of the guilty. Mercy is a feast for the Son of God that is given to us. I want to suggest then that what Jesus is asking Nicodemus to do is one of the hardest things anyone can be asked to do. I want to be sympathetic to Nicodemus and recognize that it is a daunting task to be born again. 
And Nicodemus reappears a few times in John's gospel. It's kind of an enigmatic figure um, and ends the gospel in kind of an uncertain situation. It's a daunting task to be born again. The obvious impossibilities aside, to be even figuratively born again is a tall order. Jesus is asking this well-formed, intelligent elder of the people of Israel to undo what he has learned about justice, about peace, about love, and about God, and to open himself to an entirely new possibility. Jesus is asking Nicodemus to let go what he knows, or to quote Master Yoda, unlearn what you have learned. Or in our movie reference, he is being asked to see the feast that is not there. Jesus is asking Nicodemus to be born from above, to have the wisdom from above, to share in the foolishness of God. What then does this mean? It means that we must open our eyes and awaken to the reality that God, the ground of all being and the foundation of the universe, is fundamentally merciful. Put differently, mercy is the governing reality of all things. Not balance, not fairness, not power, not logic or reason. Mercy. Mercy. Practically, this results in an utter paradigm shift. It wreaks havoc on our politics, economics, and diplomacy. How do we think about enemies, both international and domestic, if we have awakened to the truth that mercy is the governing reality of all things? How do we think about debt, and how do we manage debt if mercy is the governing reality of all things? How do we practically handle issues like mass incarceration and the death penalty if mercy is the governing reality of all things? We cannot separate these large picture issues from our vocation as Christians baptized and born anew, born from above with the wisdom from above. But even in our own personal lives, how do we approach our relationships on the foundational truth of mercy? Does it mean forgetting or ignoring harm or wrongdoing? I think not. Perhaps it looks like addressing harm boldly, truthfully, vulnerably, and with the hope of restoration rather than retribution. Perhaps it means that we look in the mirror and love what we see, knowing that what we see in that mirror is the object of God's desire. Perhaps as a church, it looks like beginning our relationships with welcome and belonging, rather than the conditions for welcome and belonging. In fact, it looks like removing conditions altogether and instead developing our life together after belonging and welcome have done their prevenient work. Understanding that our communion is a collaborative effort and must include the vast diversity of the human family if it is to be whole. It is fitting then that we celebrate baptisms this morning. As I said, it's not typical to do a baptism in the middle of Lent, but given the reading today and the mercy of God that rules all things, nothing could be more appropriate. We do not know who Savannah and Lexi will be. Their entire lives are ahead of them. Yet we welcome them into the household of God anyway, Because their welcome and belonging is not conditioned on merit or achievement. We welcome them, these two who have only just been born, to be born anew so that their lives from here on might be ruled and sustained by the mercy of God. Their baptism marks the beginning of a life lived in contrast to the expectations and conditions of this age. It will be the difficult job of their parents and godparents to raise them under the fundamental assumption that mercy rules all things, so that when they come of age, they might be so shaped by the mercy of God that they cannot see themselves, this world, and every created thing in it as anything other than deeply loved and desired by God. 
Where others will see their flaws, they will see the beauty of their difference. Where others see enemies, they will see friends. Where others see strangers, they will see Christ himself as their guest. And where others see scarcity, empty pots and pans, they will see an abundant feast. Amen. Well, good morning again. This is a full and exciting morning. We uh, have uh, a number of announcements in the back. Notice the Easter lilies announcement there that Becky's put in. Um, we uh, be taking those up through April 5th um, to get our Easter lilies in for Easter Sunday, which is April 9th. Um, our Holy Week schedule is ready, and it will be coming out in the coming. It will post it in the coming weeks. But um, we'll be doing Good Friday here at St. Paul's. We'll be doing Maundy Thursday at St. Christopher's. And we'll be doing the Easter Vigil at St. Timothy's. So that's kind of the, the, and all those services, all those Triduum services will be at 7 p.m. So that will be uh, the, the weekend leading up to Easter. Um, note also the beer brewing invitation there for March 11th. You're welcome on Saturday at noon to join us for that. And Ben Barton will lead us through brewing beer and we'll share some food together. Uh, and hopefully those will be ready for Easter if you all are brave enough to try what we brew. And then, um, of course, our Lenten book study is ongoing with Dr. Adam Bean. We had a good first session this past Wednesday, and we will continue that throughout the Wednesdays in Lent. And even if you did not come to this first one, come to the next one. Come to the last one if that's the only one you can make. You're welcome to that. Um, There are soup signups out in the lobby for those weeks if you're willing to bring a soup to share. Um, And that will be, again, Wednesdays at 630 during, during the season of Lent. Local business for this month is La Ingrata Mexican Restaurant. Downtown is right on Broad Street where the old, um, help me out, Papa's and Beer, thank you, Papa's and Beer used to be. Um, so it, it is open and running, and, and uh, so support them and let them know that you're from St. Paul's and that we are making an effort to support them this month as you uh, help out local businesses. Um, we're grateful for Isaac Short for taking uh, the Sunday service and uh as his name suggests, shortening it and uh, offering the readings and the and the homily in podcast form for any of you who'd like to listen to it again or who would like to hear it because you have not been here uh, for the morning. So uh, that's available on wherever you get your podcasts. I suppose Spotify, iTunes, all those kinds of things. Um, Healing Eucharist is at five thirty on Tuesdays. Um, we will do that this coming week uh, and uh, know that know that you're welcome to that. That that you don't have to be here for healing. Um, but that it's it's a it's a week opportunity to worship during the week, simple service where there are healing prayers offered, but it is it is fundamentally a Eucharist service. So you're welcome to join us for that. Um, and then uh, lastly, I want to note that the Bible study will not happen this coming Wednesday at two. Um, we usually do Lectio Divina at two o'clock this coming Wednesday, but um, uh, the committal service at the VA hospital in Johnson City for Alan McClellan, whose burial we did uh, in the beginning of January, um, that committal service is scheduled for uh, for that for next this coming Wednesday at two o'clock at the VA. So any of you that can come to Mountain Home Cemetery for Alan's committal are welcome to do so. Um, and I will be doing that brief service as well as I believe the VA does, does a kind of service for that as well. And uh, with the VA hospital, we kind of have to go with the flow of what their schedule is. So uh, so we'll be doing it this coming Wednesday at 2 p.m. And you all are invited to join us for that. And I'll send out a reminder uh, during the week as well. Um, so we will not have our Wednesday Lectio Divina this week. Um, are there any birthdays or anniversaries to bless and celebrate can you believe that this gorgeous person is 35 years old? I, I can't. <laughs> Can you believe that this gorgeous person is 35 years old? I can't. <laughs> John wanted to thank you all for showing up for his birthday blessing. <laughs>
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our times are in your hand. Look with favor, we pray, on your servants Nikki and John as they begin another year. Grant that they may grow in wisdom and grace and strengthen their trust in your goodness all the days of their lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be, am- be among you and remain with you always. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.